started. So we are on Daf Ayin Beizamad Aleph 72a, and the Gemara begins to analyze the Mishnah. The Gemara begins like this. The Gemara says, B'may Askina. What's the case in the Mishnah? The Mishnah talked about two different types of cases. In one set of cases, what happened is the individual shechts a carbon, thinking that it is not supposed to be a carbon Pesach. Really, it is supposed to be a carbon Pesach. In the second set of cases, he shechts a carbon that's supposed to be a carbon Pesach, but he thinks it's not supposed to be a carbon Pesach. Okay? So the Gemara asks, what's the case that we're talking about over here? Right? Was this an intentionally thinking that he wanted to change the status of the carbon from being a carbon Pesach to a non-carbon Pesach or from a non-carbon Pesach to a carbon Pesach? Was that intentional or was that unintentional, right? In other words, was he aware that its original status was supposed to be consecrated for a different thing and he just thought that you could change the status whenever you wish? Or he didn't even realize that this carbon was originally dedicated to be brought for a different carbon. Am I asking it? What are we talking about? If we say that indeed he was under the impression that it actually was a different carbon, and he, not that he thought that you could change the status, he just thought it was supposed to be a different carbon. Shematmina, we see from here, Akira betois have Akira. Then we would see from here that what is called an Akira betois, Akira means to uproot something, as we learned in Shabbos, right? And Akira, right, lifting something out of its original status, even unintentionally, is indeed an uprooting. So that we would be able to see a clear answer from our Mishnah, that indeed an Akira Batayas is considered to be an Akira. Even though it was a mistaken Akira, it's still considered to be an Akira. Now, the reason why this is relevant to us is because there's really Machlekas and Menachas about this. And we don't want our Mishnah to be a clear-cut answer to that question. So rather, it has to be not where it was an Akira Batayas where it was an accidental that he shechted the carbon for the wrong purpose, but rather he knew that the carbon was meant to be brought as a carbon, you know, a, a shlamim carbon. But he just decided, he thought you're allowed to change the status and it's up to you to change the status. So indeed he tries to shaft it as a carbon Pesach. Ema Seifa, what do we do at the end of the Mishnah? I'm sorry, the other way around. In the first case of the Mishnah, he takes the carbon Pesach and tries to shaft it for a different purpose. So if you say that the way that it happened is that he thought that you're allowed to change the status of carbon Pesach to something else, what do you do with the end of the mission? And the end of the mission teaches that if you take other carbonists and you shach them for the sake of a carbon Pesach, right? So over there, in Einan Ruyin, if they are not the types of carbonists that work as a carbon Pesach, they're not the right type of animal, they're in a keva, cannot be brought as a carbon Pesach. They are a two-year-old animal, cannot be brought as a carbon Pesach. Chayev, you're liable to a carbon chatas for having shechted something on Shabbos that is not able to be brought as a carbon on Shabbos. Imru'uyen however, if they are appropriate and fit as a carbon Pesach, Rebbe Eliezer, Mechaev Chathas, Rebbe Eliezer says you're liable to a Chathas. Rebbe Yeshua, Paiter, Rebbe Yeshua says you are exempt from a carbon Chathas. Why does Rebbe Yeshua say you're exempt from a carbon Chathas? So Rebbe Yeshua says you are called a Toya Bidvar Mitzvah. You thought you were doing something that was for a Mitzvah purpose. And even though it was a violation of Shabbos, since you thought it was for a Mitzvah purpose, that is okay. Not okay, I'm sorry, but after the fact, you're not high of practice. The Iba Oiker, the Gemara now asks like this. If the case is that he intentionally tried to change the status from a carbon Pesach to a different type of carbon, Mali Ru'uyin, Mali Sheinan Ru'uyin, what difference does it make to me that he, that it was something that's appropriate to be brought as a carbon Pesach or not appropriate to be brought as a carbon Pesach? If he did this intentionally, right, then if he did it intentionally, you cannot call him someone who was mitzvah, made a mistake about a mitzvah purpose. And why indeed does Rabbi Yeshua say you're puter from a carbon chattis? In this case, where you shechted 
with a non-valid reason. So rather, it clearly has to be talking about a case where you made this unintentional error of thinking that it was a different carbon. So Reisha Ba'iker, Masefa Bataya. What? They mean that you're forcing you to say now that the beginning of the Mishnah is talking about a case where you un where you intentionally took it away from its original status. And the second case of the Mishnah is where you unintentionally brought it away from its original status. That's not so great. We don't like making the Mishnah talk about two different categories unless the Mishnah is more explicit. Abarabavan says, in indeed that you're forced to say this. Reisha You have no choice. You have to say that the beginning of the Mishnah is talking about a case where you take a carbon pesach and you accidentally thought it was not supposed to be carbon pesach and brought it as a different carbon. And the safe is talking about, I'm sorry, the Reisha is talking about where you did it intentionally and you took it away from its status of carbon pesach to other carbon. And the safe is talking about the opposite, where you unintentionally took it out of its status. He's standing in front of a large group of people. Amalei says to him, What's the case of our Mishnah? Amalei so says to him, Reisha, the beginning of our Mishnah, is talking about when someone has done this intentionally to take it out of its status. And the second case of our Mishnah is talking about where he did it, I'm sorry, unintentionally in the second case. The first case is intentionally, right? So he thinks that you are able to change the status of the carbon. That's the first case. Second case is he doesn't think you're able to change the status of carbonus, but just accidentally he took the wrong carbon. Tana mine arbayin zimnin. So what does he do? He listens to him, teaches him 40 times. And at that point, he's like, oh, I got this in my back pocket. You know, we always say this concept, I got it in my back pocket, right here in this Gemara, right? When, when you understand something so well, it's like you got it in your back pocket, right? It's a way of saying to keep control over the item. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. Amr Rebbe Eliezer, Eliezer said, Ma'im Pesach, Shemutter Lishmai, a carbon Pesach, that it was Mutter to Shech the carbon Pesach, even when Arab Pesach is Shabbos, Mutter to Shech the carbon Pesach, as we have this year, right? In Mishnah Shem, we will have this same issue this year with a Pesach Mikdash and a carbon Pesach. Um, now, it is permitted to Shech the carbon Pesach when it is Shabbos. Right? But if you change the status of what you're shechting for, and you decide you're shechting as a carbon shlamim, you're going to be liable to a chathas. A regular zavach, a regular carbon, if it's not a carbon tzibor, if it is not a carbon that is meant to be sacrificed on behalf of the entire community, you are not allowed to shech this on Shabbos. Right? Now, then certainly if you take a regular carbon that cannot be shechted under the best of circumstances. And then you end up shechting it for the sake of a carbon Pesach. Certainly you're going to be liable. The Imisa, but if indeed we say, ha, dummy, then you can't compare the two cases. If you're right that the ratio is done by one case, safe is done by a different case. The ratio ba'iker, if you're right that the ratio, the first case of the Mishnah is talking about where you intentionally tried to take it out of its status, and the second case of the Mishnah is talking about where you unintentionally take it out of its status, what's Rebelezer's whole point? Rebelezer is trying to bring a proof from the fact that in the ratio, where you take a carbon Pesach and you accidentally shech, I'm sorry, not accidentally, you shech it with the intention of carbon shlum. Halacha is you're liable. Well, you can't bring in a proof that over there you're liable to a chathas for shechting an animal you're not allowed to shech on Shabbos. Over there it was intentional that you changed the status to shech it. But in the Seifa, it's unintentional that you changed its status. Maybe, maybe you're not liable to a chathas. The Rebbe Eliezer, loy shanilei. So according to Belezer, there's no difference. Rabbi Yeshua is Shanile. So it's only going to make a difference in terms of Rabbi Yeshua's understanding. Because Rabbi Yeshua's understanding is that when you make a mistake, when your intention is to carry out a mitzvah, you're going to be exempt. 
According to Eliezer, it says that you're not exempt even if your intention was for the proper and ideal purposes for mitzvah, you're still going to be liable. Then it doesn't make a difference if it was unintentional or intentional. So according to Yeshua, who does differentiate, so maybe Yeshua should actually say that there are two different cases. This is what he says to me. According to me, they're not similar. The original case in the Mishnah is talking about where it was intentionally taken out of its status of carbon Pesach to bring it as a carbon Shlomim. The Seifa of the Mishnah is talking about where you unintentionally took a carbon Shlomim and decided to bring it as a carbon Pesach. Unintentionally, not realizing that it is already a carbon Shlomim. And you thought, oh, it's supposed to be a carbon Pesach. But according to you, Reb Eliezer, it should not be so. If you say by carbon Pesach that you're liable when you changed it from something that you were allowed to shecht on Shabbos to something which you're not allowed to shecht on Shabbos, should we also say this by a, a regular zebach, a regular carbon, other types of carbonists, and you changed its status to something which is really permitted. Maybe over there, indeed, it should be you're not liable to a chatas. Rebeliezer says you're liable to chatas in both cases. He says back, I'll disprove you. Now, how am I going to disprove you? The emurim of a carbon tzibur. Carbon tzibur is, is a communal sacrifice. The emurim are the fats that are supposed to be brought on the mezbeach. How does it disprove it? If you take the emurim of a carbon tzibur, the fats of a public offering, you're allowed to bring them on the mezbeach on Shabbos. But if you shecht other sacrifices, saying to yourself, there's animals that you thought are supposed to be brought as a carbon tibor, but really they're not. Really they're supposed to be brought as a carbon shlamim. Chayev, you're still going to be liable. Amalei Rabbi Yeshua says back, even if you say so about a murei tibor, about the murim of the sacrifices that are supposed to be brought on behalf of the entire community, that's a different category. A murei tibor, we hold you more responsible for your mess up. Why? There's only a very limited amount of karbanis that are supposed to be brought every Shabbos that are communal karbanis. So when you mess up and you thought this is also a communal karban, that's a mess up. You should have done a better job. However, carbon Pesach, there's so many carbon Pesachs. It is so easy to get confused about it. So therefore, you're not held as responsible. Your mistake is not as glaring. Is that to say that any time where there is a uh, a, um, a, a set number of karbanas, Rabbi Shua would hold you are indeed liable when you mess up, even when your intention was for the sake of doing a mitzvah. So now we're going to bring in a Gemara that we did in Shabbos, towards the end of Shabbos. So here's the halacha, that there's a Mishnah in Shabbos that we learned. You have children. That there's a limit, okay? Here's the case. The case is there are two babies. One baby was born right before Shabbos began. One baby was born right after Shabbos began. One of these babies, the bris milah is going to be on Friday. One of these babies, the bris milah is going to be on Shabbos, right? So there's a very limited amount of babies in front of us, right? And we learned in the Mishnah. If you have two young babies, one was born right after Shabbos, should be circumcised after Shabbos. One was born on Shabbos, should be sacrificed on Shabbos, should be sacrificed, should be circumcised on Shabbos. And accidentally, he forgot, he shechted the one that was supposed to be shechted on Sunday morning on Shabbos. He went saying shechted. Yeah. <laughs> and he did the bris milah. He did the bris milah um, for the one that was supposed to do the bris milah after Shabbos. He did it on Shabbos. Chayiv, he's going to be liable. 
One baby is supposed to be on Friday. The other baby is supposed to be on Shabbos. What does he do? He gets confused. He does the Friday one on the ninth day. He does the Shabbos one on the seventh day, right? So neither of them is in the right place. We know you're only allowed to violate Shabbos for bris mila if it is the eighth day. Any other day, you're not allowed to, right? Rebeliezer says you're liable to bring a chatas for the for the bris mila of the baby that was really supposed to be on Friday, you ended up doing it on Shabbos, or let's just say it's your chayiv chatas. Because you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to do a bris mila on Shabbos. You're making a chabura, right? You're making a wound, right? Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua, however, says you are exempt. Why does Rabbi Yeshua say you're exempt? Because Rabbi Yeshua says anytime you're involved in what you think is a mitzvah and you accidentally violate Shabbos, you're not going to be liable to a carbon chatas. Now over there, you only have two babies total. That is seriously what we would call something that has a kitzvah, that has a set number. And still Rabbi Shua says you're exempt. So we see Rabbi Shua does not have any limitation on how far he goes with, no, if your intention was for a mitzvah, you're exempt. Amr Rabbi Rami responds. What are we talking about over here? You're going to Shabbos. The case is that you did the bris milah for the one that was supposed to be on Erev Shabbos, you did it on Shabbos. The the Shabbos, the Torah Bay. What happened is like this. Since in his mind, he was supposed to be doing a bris milah for the baby on Shabbos. So he he did the bris milah for the baby who shop the, the bris milah was supposed, supposed to be on Shabbos. He did it on Friday. But in his mind, the entire Shabbos, he was ready to do the bris milah for the baby that he was supposed to be doing. So he's already thinking about doing that bris milah. That's different. Pacha, over here, however, the case over here is like this. You already shechted the carbon zebra. Since you already shechted the carbon zebra, you're no longer busy thinking about, oh, I need to bring a carbon zebra, right? Now you're just thinking about, I need to bring the fats. So now you made a mistake of bringing the wrong fats. You're, you're not able to say, well, my mind is busy with the other aspects I'm supposed to be doing, and therefore you're held more responsible. If so, Mayor says, <coughs> Even if someone shechts other animals with the intention of bringing it as the emurit zibur, potter, you are exempt. So it must be that even if he had first already shechted the carbonus that were supposed to be for the emurit zibur, he already shechted them previously, and still you're exempt. But Tanya, we learned in the Rabbisa, who was from Avel Arab, Omar Remeir, says the name of Remeir. Rabbi Lezer and Yeshua do not argue. There are two boys. One baby is born on Friday, one baby is born on Shabbos. And they accidentally make a mistake and he forgets. He gives the first meal to the baby that was born on Friday, he does it on Shabbos. You're going to be liable for that case. Because what do you do? You then did the first meal for the baby that was born on Erev Shabbos on Shabbos. Where do they argue? One of them, the Brismila, should be on Sunday. And one of them, the Brismila, should be on Shabbos. And he forgets. And he does the Brismila on the seventh day for the one that was supposed to be on Sunday. says, You are exempt. It is and let's come and explain. Over there, you didn't do any mitzvah. You haven't yet done the mitzvah of, of, of doing the bris milah on Shabbos. And Yeshua says, you're a potter. 
is it so that when you actually did a mitzvah, you're chayiv? In other words, what the Gemara is asking is like this. The Gemara is saying, you just told us that if you do the bris milah for the baby that was supposed to be gimalt on Friday on Shabbos, then you're chayiv. But if you do the bris milah for the baby that's supposed to be gimalt on Sunday and you do it on Shabbos, then you're patr, right? So the Gemara says, is that possible? Over there, in one case, you haven't done a mitzvah at all. When you do a bris milah on day seven, you have to do a, a priya all over again on day eight. Right, you have to do part of the process of the bris on day eight. Okay, when you do a bris milah on day nine, there's nothing more to do after Shabbos. So in one case, you actually did the mitzvah milah. In the other case, you didn't really do the mitzvah. How can it be that in the case where you didn't do the mitzvah, you're chayiv? I'm sorry, you're putter. And the case where you did the mitzvah, you're chayiv. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the Rabbi they said the name of Rabbi in the house of Rabbi literally. Reisha kadam umal. The reisha has to be like this. They they came early and they did the one on Shabbos on erev Shabbos. In other words, the baby's eighth day was Shabbos. They did it on Friday. Turning the page now. So what ended up happening is Shabbos should not have been pushed off at all. If you do the brismila, the baby that was supposed to be on Shabbos, if you do it on Friday, then when Shabbos comes, there is no more pushing off this Shabbos for the sake of a brismila because there's no baby to be pushed off. But the Seifa case, right, is like this. So the Mayo has two babies. One baby is a Sunday bris. One baby is a Shabbos bris. He takes the Sunday bris and he does it on Shabbos. That is a day of Shabbos in which there should be an overriding of the, in which there should be an overriding of the, um, the one second, in which there should be an overriding of the Shabbos for the sake of a bris milah, right? So since there should be an overriding of Shabbos for the sake of a bris milah, therefore you are exempt. So too, over here, when it comes to Shabbos, Shabbos is supposed to be pushed off for the sake of a carbon zebra. In other words, although you're not allowed to shacht on Shabbos, if it's for the sake of a carbon zebra, you're allowed to shacht. Amalir of Ashi, the Kahana of Ashi says, So too, over here, in the Shabbos, so too, over here, in the first category, it is true that the baby was gimalt. The baby had a bismillah, was supposed to be a bismillah. The bismillah that was supposed to be on Shabbos was done on Friday. So technically, there, there's no baby right in front of me that has to have a bismillah on Shabbos. However, the concept, conceptually, Shabbos in general is pushed off. I Probably there is never a Shabbos throughout the world in which there isn't a bismillah taking place somewhere. Okay? So therefore, the concept of a bismillah pushes off, um, pushes off Shabbos in across the world. He says back to him, I don't know what you're talking about. When we talk about Shabbos being in the category of being pushed off for the sake of a mitzvah, you have to define it more, more, more strictly. It has to be, you know, some tighter parameters. It was pushed off for this individual. It's not pushed off for every individual. So this moil, Rabbi Elibowitz, has these two brisim in front of him. The fact that Rabbi Maimon has a bris in Seattle, that's not relevant to us, right? What's relevant to us is this Shabbos for Rabbi Leibowitz supposed to be pushed off for the sake of bris milah? And the answer is no, because the bris milah is supposed to be on Sunday, not on Shabbos. Then use the Gemara. Any other carbon that you end up accidentally shachting for this, with thinking in, you're shachting a carbon Pesach. If it is a carbon that's not really possible for carbon Pesach, reliable chatas. But if it's roi for carbon Pesach, chatas or bishu Unless it says you're liable for a chattis, Yeshua says you are exempt from a chattis. Man tana deshani levein ruyin lishenin ruyin. Who is the tana who differentiates between a carbon that is appropriate for a carbon pesach and a carbon that's not? Reb Shimoni, it's Reb Shimon. The tanya we learned in Rebaisa. Echad hazvachim haruyin, ve'echad zvachim sheenin ruyin. Both the carbon 
carbonates that are right to be brought as a carbon pesach and the carbonates that are not right to be brought as a carbon pesach. And so too, if someone checks with, with the having intent that it should be for the sake of a uh, carbon seaboard, right, a communal sacrifice, potter, they are exempt. Words for Amir. Amr of Shimon of Shimon says, do not argue in that which the case is, is not right, is not fit to be brought, that you're liable. What do they argue about? About those that are fit to be brought as a carbon. Shabbelezer says you're liable to a chatas because it was fit to be brought as a carbon. Rabbi Yeshua says, even though it's fit to be brought as a carbon, Rabbi Yeshua says, once it's fit to be brought as the carbon Pesach, you're not liable to chatas. Amar Bebe, Amar Rebelezer, Bebe says, Name Rebelezer, Poitahi Remeyer, Remeyer exempts Apilu Egel Shalzivche Shlamim, Shachatu Lashama Pasach. Remeyer says, Even if you shach a carbon, like a nice young calf, that's going to be a delicious veal, right? Which is pretty silly that the guy doesn't realize that you don't shach a calf for carbon Pesach, but he shachs a calf for carbon Pesach. Even over there, Rabbi Shu would say, You're exempt because his intention was for a mitzvah. Rameyer agrees that if it's a Bali Mumin, if you take a carbon that is a clearly blemished animal, then certainly if you shechted it, oh, I have a mind for a carbon. No, you fool, it has a blemish. You shouldn't be shechting that. And then you're liable even according to Yeshua. Amar says, he says, uh, an animal that has a clear blemish, you never thought in your mind that this is an animal that's going to be brought as a sacrifice. So it shouldn't have even been like Roy, it shouldn't have been com- at all connected to being brought as a sacrifice. However, this carbon animal, right, this, this veal, right, he, he, Taka had in mind to bring it as a carbon, right? So since he had in mind to bring it as a carbon, his mind got a little confused and he brought as a carbon Pasach. People get distracted, people get reactive. Let's say you bring a carbon, let's you bring an animal that's chulin, not consecrated at all, right? It wasn't consecrated, and you decide, oh, as you, you know what, I'm taking my carbon, I'm taking this animal, shechtin as a carbon pasach, but it was never consecrated. What's the halacha? Amr Amr So Amr says, Amr 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 the mayor would say you would be putter even if you take a carbon that, that something that was never consecrated as a carbon in the first place and you shafted it, having in mind it should be Pesach, you're still putter from the carbon. Chatas. says that mayor agrees that in a case where it's a Baal Mum, an animal that has a blemish, it cannot be brought as a carbon at all, the mayor agrees that you're liable to Chatas. It's an animal that has a Mum, it, it, that's on you. That you really should have noticed. However, when you're trying to remember, is this the animal that was consecrated or not? It's not easy to remember which animal is consecrated. It's easy to see right in front of you which animal is blemished. Is the reasoning for a mayor's halacha when he says you're exempt from a chathas for bringing this carbon in, in, in uh, by mistake? Is it based on, is it something that you could have mistakenly switched or not? Is that really what it's based on? Rebbe says the name of Rebbe Eliezer. The mayor exempts even an eagle, which is a zivcheshlamim, even a calf, which is supposed to be brought as a peace offering sacrifice, right? Shishachatai, the shum ha-pesach, and you ended up being as a government pesach, you're still exempt. Alama taimed the mayor, mishum the tarud. The mayor's reason is because you become preoccupied with shachting a carbon. But that's only true by a carbon, not by chulin. Amarle, tarud afal gabdolei mechlet. If he's tarud, even if it's something that it's not so likely to be confused, then people get confused. All bets are off. Once you're in the status of being tarud, 
Once you're in that state of preoccupied, anything can happen, right? Mechlef afagabdeleitarit. But if it can be confused, then Rameyer would say you're exempt, even if it's even if you're not busy thinking about karbanas, right? What's excluded? What's excluded is only one category, right? If you're making charts and checks and boxes, what could be confused? And when you're preoccupied, well, the, an animal that is blemished, it cannot be confused, and you're not preoccupied with it. So an animal that's supposed to be brought as a carbon, you can get confused, right? That's easy to get confused because you're preoccupied, even though it's a different type of carbon. An animal that's the same type of animal and externally looks exactly the same, it can be easy to get confused. Was this the animal or not? But an animal that's blemished, you should not get confused at all, and it's not meant to be brought as a carbon. Yosef Reb Zeira, ooh, Reb Shmuel Bar Yitzchak. Akila de Reb Shmuel Bar Reb Yitzchak. They were sitting in the tent of Reb Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, right? The Yasvi, and they were sitting back Amri, and they were saying, Amri Reb Shmuel Ben Lakish, Neschalaf Le Shpud Shal Neisav Shpud Shal Tzli. Let's say you got confused with a Shpud. A Shpud is a spit. The spit that has on it meat of Neisav, and the other one has on it meat. Of Nisar is meat that was left over past the time period when it's permitted to be eaten. And you got confused with the meat of, of a meat that's allowed to be eaten, roast, regular roasted meat. And then you ate the one that's Nisar. If you're going to be liable for eating Nisar. And when you eat Nisar, you're liable for, you're going to have to, you have to bring a carbon for eating Nisar. Food that was left over past this time period. Let's say, let's say like this. Let's say a man sleeps with his wife, even though she's in a state of Nidus, right? So he doesn't realize that. So he's chayev to bring a carbon. Yevimte nida. Let's say he has, you know, relations with a yevimte, with a man who is a yavam and a woman who is a yavama. In other words, his brother died without leaving behind children and she, he left behind a wife. Allah is that they have to do either yibum or chalitza. Either he marries her and then she becomes his wife for all intents and purposes. Or he does chalitza. She does this act where she takes up a shoe and spits at him. And then he, and then they're essentially separated, right? So what happens like this? Let's say he ends up doing the yibum to a woman who is his sister-in-law, yes, but she is in a state of nidus, right? Pater, he is exempt. Because since he's doing the mitzvah of acquiring his wife at the same time. Ikadami, another way to say this is, kol shekein bahidim chayiv. Certainly in the case of where you got confused with the two shpudim, you are chayiv. Deloy asa mitzvah. Over there, you didn't do a mitzvah at all, right? But whereas when ultimately, it, right, so you ate the meat that is meat that's not supposed to be eaten anymore. You didn't do a mitzvah at all. But when you have relations with your wife, thinking that she's not a nida, and really she is a nida, at least you fulfill the mitzvah of aina, of satisfying your wife. So then already there is a mitzvah involved, and maybe over there it's different. Istami, another way to say this is, in the case of getting confused with the two different types of meat, you're going to be exempt. My time, what's the reason? Because when it comes to your wife, who's a nida, you should have said to her, are you a nida or not? Are you permitted to me or not? Over here, what are you going to do? There's meat on a spit. You're the only person who knows whether or not this meat was, was nicer, was leftover meat, or whether it's regular meat. And you got confused. But there was nobody you could have asked. So you're not held as responsible. Like, says, What's the difference by a yavama? By the when it's the woman who's a yavama and a nida that if he has relations with her, he has acquired her. The kavod mitzvah. Ultimately, he did a mitzvah. Well, then ishtei nami kavod mitzvah, right? Well, even if your wife is it, it, your wife, well, there's still a mitzvah. The mitzvah is the mitzvah of satisfying your wife. So maybe you're still exempt. Well, your wife is pregnant, and then there's no mitzvah. What do you mean? In other words, the mitzvah that we've been dealing with until now, which is the mitzvah period of Arivia, of, of creating a, a new child in the world, well, it doesn't apply when your wife's already pregnant. Correct, but there's still the mitzvah of satisfying her. 
says, It's not at the time when she wants to, this, to engage in this practice. So therefore, there's no mitzvah. What do you mean? Rava said, A man is obligated to make his wife happy. So what that basically means is that there's no specific time period. At any time you do this, if you engage in this activity and it makes the wife happy, things are good. So that's a mitzvah, right? My answer is, it was the time when she was expecting to have her period, and therefore it was not permitted to engage. If so, well, then even the Yavama also, right? The Yavimta, he was too embarrassed. He didn't have enough of a relationship, an established relationship, where you could ask her, listen, are you in need right now? Since he didn't have enough of an established relationship, he's not held as responsible for not asking her. His wife is not embarrassed to ask her, and therefore he should have asked her. Who does, what's his opinion? If he was like Rabbi Yaisi, because Rabbi Yaisi learned in a Mishnah, the first day of Yom Tov falls out on Shabbos, and he accidentally forgets and takes his lulav out into the public domain. Potter, he is exempt because he is taking out for Roshos, he's taking it out with permission. In other words, his intent is for the sake of a mitzvah. Dilma Shani Hasam, the Zimnoi. Maybe he got confused because the time was very, uh, he's busy. And that's why he got confused. And that's why he's exempt for carrying out the lulav. The first day of Shabbat, first day of Shabbos, yomtiv, you don't take out your lulav and esri. Bella Rabbi Shua Tzvachim. So rather, it's Rabbi Shua's opinion about Tzvachim. Dilma hasunami, Tzmanei Bahal. Maybe it's only by Tzvachim that because of the sense of urgency that he has, that he gets confused. And that's why he's exempt according to Rabbi Shua. Rather, must be like Rabbi Shua's opinion in Tineikis. Rabbi Shua said, you are exempt when you do the circumcision for the baby that's not supposed to be circumcised today. So too over there, you have a sense of urgency because you want to do the, the circumcision in the right time. So rather, it must be like a Yeshua of Truma. What? It's a Yeshua of Truma. It's not. We learned in the Mishnah. Someone's in the middle of eating Truma. And he is told, you thought you were a Kayin, but in truth, your father was married. Your father's a Kayin, true. But your mother was a divorcee before she got married to your father. And therefore, you're not a Kayin. You're not allowed to eat Shuma. Or you've been Chalitza, or your mother had Chalitza done to her, and therefore you're not allowed to eat. You're not a, even though your father's a Kayin, a Kayin's not allowed to marry a Grusha or a Chalitza. And since she's, he's not allowed to marry a Grusha or a Chalitza, when they have a child together, that child is not a Kayin. It's considered a Pogum. It's not, not allowed to eat in the, in the priestly uh, gifts. Abelazar says that in that scenario, he's liable to a Karen. He's liable to pay back the, the principal plus an additional fifth. That only applies to people who are not kaihanim when they eat unwittingly. Yeshua says you are exempt because Yeshua says, listen, this guy thought he was a kain when he was eating it. The only time that people are liable to pay for it is when they don't think they're doing a mitzvah. They just think it's not truma, right? But this guy thought he is a kain and it is a mitzvah, so therefore he's exempt. So Dilma could have a baby baravaya. Maybe that looks like a baby baravaya. Dilma a baby baravaya. But truma baravah pesach. What we're talking about over here is truma on erev pesach. That it was truma, which is chametz, and you had to eat it quickly, and therefore the time period was getting us confused. Inami, if so, oh, I'm sorry, inami, another answer. Shani truma, truma is different. The ikri avoda, because truma is called avoda service. Avoda rachmana achsher, and the Torah tells us that in avoda, when it is done by a chalal, right? A chalal is someone who is not allowed, is not a kain. His father is a kain, but his father was in a relationship with a woman he's not permitted to be in. The child is called a chalal, right? So the Torah says that even though a chalal is not allowed to do the service, if he does it, it is still going to work. So maybe when a chalal eats truma, the reason why he doesn't have to pay the, the principal plus an additional fifth is because after the fact, it's still okay because he does have priestly lineage, even if he's not a kain himself. It's not. We learned in the Mishnah. 
If someone is in the middle of doing the service in the base Hamikdash, and he finds out that he is the son of a woman who was divorced previous to marrying, prior to marrying his father, or had chalitza done prior to marrying his father. Well, first opinion is all the karbanis that he brought on the mizbeach before when he was in this when he didn't realize yet. Puzzle. There's still not good karbanis. The atonement has not been achieved. Rabbi Shua says even after the fact it is still okay because ultimately he thought he was a king. And we said, what's the reason for Bishua? It says, Hashem blesses his his, uh, his essence and Yadav And the works of his hands will achieve uh, the um, be, be accepted by Hakadosh Baruch Why did you think that Truma should be similar to the Abayda to the service of Esa Mikdash? Where do you ever find that Truma and Abayda have similar uh, uh, terminology? Amalei. Sorry, the Tanya, because we learned in Abraisa. There was a story of Tarifin had not come to Beth Medrash the day before. The next day, Rangam Leo finds her Tarifin. Why didn't you come yesterday to learn Tarifin? Amalaisi says, He says, I was doing service. Amalaisi says to him, well, what you're saying right now is, doesn't make any sense. What's second? And I was like, dude. Maybe you forgot. There's no more base on Mikdash. There's no Aveda anymore. Right? Can you do Aveda today? But it says in the Pasik, the work of the uh, the work of a of a gift, I give to you your as as your state of Kahuna. Turning the page now for the last two lines. So he says, I see from here that it is appropriate to call the Eden of Truma and Aveda service. But if a non kain who comes close will die. We see that the eating of Truma in the Gvulin, the eating of Truma outside of the base Amikdash, right, at, um, is considered like the like the Aveda inside the base Amikdash. So we see indeed that the eating of Truma is also considered to be an Aveda. And the same way, if a Chalal does the Aveda unintentionally, thinking that he was a Kayin, it is actually Kasher after the fact, according to Yeshua. So too, when it comes to eating truma, thinking that you are a kain, and then find out afterwards that you are a halal, that your mother was a grusha, right, a divorcee beforehand. Indeed, it will still be appropriate to, um, it will still work after the fact that it will be considered eating the truma, that it was mitzvah purpose, and you will not have to bring the additional fifth repayment. You'll only have to pay back the principal. Okay. Take care, everyone. You continue tomorrow night. Be well.